Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. I don't want nobody else. I love you. She's lying. I don't want nobody else. It's true. She's lying. I don't want nobody else. I love you. Why does she pretend? Because she probably doesn't listen to the UK Tech Weekly podcast. The UK's premier audio marmite. Spread on your toast every (laughs) Friday like a chat yeast extract. The UK Tech Weekly podcast is an infotainment breakfast from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Mac World UK and Computer World UK. You can find us on Acast, on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Every Friday we head to an audio boxing ring, smashing each other in the face using audio fists before spitting into an audio bucket in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past Past seven seven days. days. Don't forget to subscribe, review and tell your friends. I'm Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK. And today I am delighted to be joined in conversation by the radio host with the most, Chris Martin, Consumer Tech Editor of PC Advisor. Hello. The future ghost who makes the most of your listening posts, Lewis Painter, Staff Writer of Macworld UK. Hello. And the last soggy piece of toast, Scott Carey, Online Editor of Computer World UK. Hi. This week we are talking Salesforce PR... Sony's VR and Samsung's Disaster. It's all happening. Fire. Do, 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 do. Fire. Do, 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 do. Chris Martin, why are Samsung's ears burning? Well, as you may be aware, the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, one of the best phones uh, of this year by many people's reviews, uh, is uh, has been discontinued. Uh, due to exploding batteries. It is an X-phone. It is an X-phone. So what's the story here? How many... I mean, because we, we occasionally hear these stories in, in the case of new phones that, you know, one of them set on fire. But this appears to be an actual real thing. This is real. So, yeah, we've seen iPhones, other Samsung phones, uh, even a BlackBerry, I think. You know, pretty much every brand out there has had something go wrong with a phone where it's kind of melted or... Uh, exploded and uh, it's not good but they have been kind of isolated <laughs> incidents isolated and unproven incidents yeah and um but this is 
um, a proper actual fundamental fault with the phone where it is exploding, uh, catching on fire, and it's not just been two or three, it's been tens. Like, I think we're, we're easily over 50 incidents now, I think. That's enough cases yeah. of spontaneously combusting yeah. phones, I guess. And do we know what the problem is? No. So initially, so it launched just over a month ago. Initially, it was about 35 cases of them going wrong. So they said, okay, yeah, this is yeah obviously something's wrong here. We're going to replace all of them. We're doing a full recall of all Note 7s. You can take them back to the retailer. Um, there was an exchange program. And it seemed like Samsung had handled it really well, just admit the problem, get yeah. it sorted, keep the customer, customers happy and safe. Um, but then the replacement ones started going wrong. And that was Oops. like about a week ago. And over the last few days, they've been releasing statement after statement and the, the situation keeps changing. And so um, earlier this week, it was that they were halting or adjusting the production whatever that means uh, while they investigate and that they were asking global partners to stop selling them and stop exchanging them right. while they have a look and see what really is going wrong here um, and then literally hours later they said no we've discontinued the phone wow so there is a real problem and this is to my mind unprecedented yeah i don't think um I, I'm I'm not aware of any phone that's been completely discontinued after yeah. a month. Of I, I vaguely being on sale. remember um, like some laptops had maybe Sony batteries, and they were that some of those seemed to melt. And but this was I mean I'm talking like a decade ago, mm. and that was just one component, but a whole range, a flagship range of products from a company like Samsung, which is truly global. Mm. I've I've never come across this, and then I suppose. That begs the question of, you know, you know, mentioned earlier that Samsung was kind of doing the right thing, given that it's a disastrous situation to be in this position. But there is an argument that by just saying, right, no more, give them back and taking the hit, Samsung's actually been pretty responsible here. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, th- I mean, it's, they haven't said why they've discontinued it. They've just said, you know, right. It, for customer safety and because we don't really i think basically because we don't know what the fault is and they're obviously not confident they can fix it and the longer this goes on the more exchanges they do the more it's costing them so they've obviously i think they've just decided right let's cut our losses like let's just uh, put this one to bed and uh and move on um and samsung being the behemoth that it is is one of the few companies that could actually as much as it'll sting actually afford to do that yeah what do you think, Lewis? Are you uh, you've been watching this closely, I imagine. Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, because I I used the Note Five last year. Uh, obviously, it didn't come to the UK officially, but it was a really nice phone. So I was really excited to see the Note Seven, you know, finally come back to the UK. And I saw it while it was in the office, and it was a really nice phone. And you know, I'm I'm all for iPhones, obviously. But I think if I was going to get an Android, it would have been the Note Seven, yeah. which says a lot about the phone. And what was it about it that particularly attracted? It's you? just the design, the general look of it. It's just you know because after you know Apple recycling the same design for three years, it's starting to get a little bit boring. Um, whereas Samsung, you know, they kind of switch it up every year, give yeah. you something a little bit different, and it's just that just it looked really nice. It had the uh, stylus built into it, which is always nice. And, you know, massive display, which is a bit of me. And a really, really <laughs> thin battery, which is really nice, but as it turns out, sets on fire. I remember, I remember I'm an iPhone guy pretty much through and through, but I remember Chris actually kind of selling me 
on the Note Seven when we talked about it on the podcast. It, it looked like that that and one of the Huawei phones last year actually looked like genuine competitors um, to to the iPhone in terms of design and and quality of build and and things like that. So you know, apart from the fact that it's quite large and it sets on fire, I think it's <laughs> quite 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 an impressive phone. So it's a bit it's a bit unfortunate, really. What do you think will happen to? Because Samsung is probably the only brand of phone that has, if not anything like the same sort of loyalty and fan base as iPhone, but it has a loyal fan base. Does this damage that, do you think? I think it's got to to an extent. It's mm-hmm. just it's anyone's guess as to how much. Yeah. But $23 billion worth of stock so far. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how many people are going to be like, okay, I'm never getting a Samsung again because well, of this. Yeah. I'm sure the people who actually had exploding ones will, yeah, will sure. think that. But if you just had one and you've had to go take it back because it might explode, yeah. I would have thought, you know, you're not going to be too fast. Well, you're probably going to mm. actively seek out the Galaxy S7 or S7 I would have thought because so. Because it's the closest thing to yeah. what you've just had to give up. And they're perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, I did see a rumour yesterday, actually, saying that, uh, that Samsung are going to... Um, release a new S7 and S7 Edge with the same colour options as the Note 7. The blue one was really oh, popular. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to release a blue Galaxy um, okay. S7 Edge to, you know, compensate for the fact yeah. there's no more Note 7. I mean, they're great. Like, I'm, you know, I've said it before on, on the pod, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an S7 Edge user. It's a great phone. And it's disappointing that the Note 7 is no longer out, but it doesn't remotely affect my feelings towards Samsung phones. Yeah. It's reputational damage, isn't it? Of course, it's, um, it, it's that you know they've got this reputation for quality of engineering, and and to see something so high profile and so wide ranging, where mm. this sort of reaches beyond just the tech press and just the tech bubble, yeah. where actually this is a sort of a national story now, because every time you get on an aeroplane, it says, "Please, could you bring your Note Seven to the front <laughs> so we can put it in a flame proof box?" Yeah. So you, everyone, everyone's quite aware of it. Um, it's and, very and, current, yeah. Yeah, I think Apple, it, it'll blow over, though, won't it? Yeah, like, it'll blow over. But I think the other, the other, the rivals will benefit from this because they can now um, put out their messaging that you know we we don't have exploding phones. Yeah. And, and, I can't <laughs> wait for the next phone launch because they'll be yeah. like, it doesn't explode. They'll be yeah. They'll make they'll make gags. They'll make digs. Yeah. Apple will, will be all over this. But it'd be interesting to know what the like how much bigger the fallout would be if this happened to a line of iPhone. Because it would be, yeah. be a bigger story, wouldn't it? It would be a much bigger story. It'd be mm. huge. Um, but I, I think of the companies that can wear something like this reputationally and financially, those are the, probably the two of the only ones yeah. that could. I mean, thinking about the iPhone, I suppose the equivalent, which is nowhere near the same thing, but was the um, the bumper issue. You know, when when uh, if you're using, I'm trying to remember oh, the exact yeah. details, but if you if you're using the phone in your hand, it somehow disrupted it's the, the iphone 4 wasn't it the antennas were built into the sides yeah. of the phone so if and you held it if wrong. you held it it, 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 yeah. it stopped oh, yeah. it grip. stopped it being able to <laughs> connect to the internet yeah. um and and that was a huge story and apple had to create these bumpers which it handed out that actually fixed the problem but obviously changed the design and the feel and stuff like that they weren't setting on fire there was just intermittent dropping yeah. out of the uh, network so that gives you some idea of how big a story it would be if if yeah. there was this there's always situation. been something with the iphone like the bend gate yeah. and yeah. his gate and like this year. his gate and <laughs> the current ones kind of the jet black model scratching really easily but that's gate. not yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the concern on the Note Seven is just is the fact that they don't know why it's yeah. gone wrong, and they kind of they thought they'd fixed it, and we're like, oh, everything's fine. These new ones have a different color LED, so you know you've got the safe one. And then it's just really worrying that they thought it was fixed and it wasn't. But this make, makes me slightly cynical about the whole thing. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is quite why my line of questioning at the beginning was, is it an actual issue? Because there's a lot of vested interests who would benefit from Samsung taking a hit in, in the market in this way. Um, the, this is, you know, clearly it does seem like the fact that we're drawing everything means there is a problem. They've discovered some kind of problem. But certainly in the beginning when these reports were dripping out, we've seen it before and you know, I, I I was cynically thinking, well, this is just you know, the kind of tittle tattle you get around a popular product. It turns out not to be. But we think you know, Samsung is going to be all right. We think. Yeah, I'd say so. It's fine. When you look at the hit of the valuation on a graph, it's mm. like it's like well, it looks like a pound. Don't yeah, yeah. but not <laughs> not even that bad. Well, no, they just... it's, a, it's a drop, but in the yeah. grand scheme, it's like. They lost like seven percent on the day they announced yeah. it, yeah. Which, which, which is ridiculous because you would imagine, you know, a smartphone manufacturer that has had to recall its flagship smartphone because it sets on fire um, would lose a lot more than that. But the yeah. fact is, Samsung is just beyond describably big as a company. Yeah, they're diversified enough to deal with it, mm-hmm. and they're an arms manufacturer, so you don't want to cross them too much because you know they'll come after you with a howitzer. With a howitzer, um, they won't come after you with a howitzer. Yeah. They're also quite. Uh, the situation will be referred to for a while, yeah. but you know, this time next year, yeah. there'll be a, at least two or three other new Samsung phones that, as long as they're perfectly fine, <laughs> yeah. everyone will forget. And as long as they've got enough advertising budget to still sponsor Chelsea's football shirts, then you know everyone's happy. Which they do. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Chelsea being associated with some sort of evil. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's close that off by going around the room. Uh, Samsung is doomed, or Samsung will bloom. Scott Carey. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm going to go doomed. Lewis Painter. I'm going to go bloomed. <laughs> Chris Martin, you have the decided you, you sounded really confused. I'm definitely not going to bloom yeah, after bloom this, isn't is it? the right but... word to use, but they're going to they're be all right. <laughs> yeah, Samsung will bloom. Excellent. Okay, we'll take a very short break and then we'll come back with more chat. Do you remember when we used to sing via 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 Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. Sony's VR is here. Should we be excited? I think we should be very excited. I mean, obviously... As someone that's into VR, I'm more excited than most, maybe. So this but is the PlayStation VR. This is PlayStation VR. It's the uh, it's it's the first console VR headset uh, because the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive require a high end PC, whereas the PlayStation VR will run on any PlayStation Four, which okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. So th- this is uh, we've been. Wait- it feels like we've been waiting for this all year, but then yeah. I suppose it is getting towards the end of the year. We're um, wrapping up now. <laughs> this is like right, the Christmas buying time. The, exactly, it's yeah. the kickoff to the Christmas buying season. It's the first, I want to say, like affordable yeah. mainstream. How affordable is it? It's three hundred and forty-nine pounds, <sighs> which is two hundred pound cheaper than the Oculus Rift and four hundred pound cheaper than the HTC Vive. So that come with your pom poms as well. 
that doesn't come with the pom poms. <laughs> but the pom poms are well, the, the the move controllers, which yeah. which are why you use the pom poms. <laughs> um, they are actually the same ones that were used with the PlayStation Three. So you can pick up PlayStation Three move batons for like fifteen twenty quid. Do you need online? Them? You don't. Uh, well, it depends on the game. Yeah. Some games do require them, but I think it tells you on the box of the game if it if it requires move controllers or whatever. I think you can still use your DualShock Four, um, but it's cool. not as good, obviously. No, yeah. And you also so the you one thing is you need the um, PlayStation camera regardless of, of what kind of VR uh, you want to use, uh, but that doesn't come included. Right, yeah, I don't have one of them So if I want to VR myself up this Christmas, yeah. it's going to cost me about 400 quid. And so just over 400 quid. I think Zavi are offering like a bundle with the Move controllers yeah. and the camera for like 400. Um, and then a game's priced the same as a normal game? Uh, some of them are cheaper. It depends on how, how much, you know, how what it offers. Some, you mm. know, some aren't games, some are experiences, so they're going to be a bit cheaper than like a full-blown game. And obviously... Yeah. AA games are going to be more expensive than your indie games. I think I think it's early days as well. But uh, when you buy a PlayStation VR headset, you get a demo disc with like I think it's like eighteen games on it that you can have a go of. Like all they're all launch day titles, I think. Yeah. So you can have a little go of them if you like them. Buy the full one. Scott, just be just be a really good boy and Father Christmas will. But this is interesting because the fact that you have to um, decide whether you, you have the equipment to play a game speaks to the fact that there are lots of games. There are 18 games on yeah. this demo disc. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's immediately, that's what gives any Sony gaming product the edge because they've got mm-hmm. the, the... They've got the content. They've got yeah. the developers behind it. They said they're going to have over 50 out by the end of 2016. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. And they've got over 200 developers working on games. And these are games titles. written from the ground up for VR. I mean, you can't play these games unless you're using the VR. No, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, uh, some of them are add-ons to existing games, like there's going to be um, a VR experience for the upcoming Call of Duty game for PlayStation mm-hmm. VR, where you're like dogfighting in space, which is pretty cool. You wouldn't be able to do that in the main game. Uh, but yeah, there are some that are, are specifically designed just for VR. Like, I think Robinson's The Journey is a VR-only game. Uh, right. I had a little go at that at an event about a month ago, and it's so fun. <laughs> I can't wait I'm, to play that one. Yeah, I'm bang up for Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I had a go at that as well. Yeah. Really cool. So fun. Are there any sports games yet? Being um, a sports game, not. You've got driving games? Yeah. Do you count driving games as a sport? No, but that's a different <laughs> conversation. Oh, But yeah, no, they've got uh, you've got Drive Club VR, which is... Uh, Drive Club's been out for, I think, a year or two now on PlayStation 4. I think it's a free update to add the VR support to it. Um, so you're sat, sat in the car racing it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But um, the thing about Drive Club and games like that, uh, uh, driving games on PlayStation generally, is that they're they're really gorgeous looking. You know, the mm-hmm. graphics on driving games are always immaculate. And whereas the the PlayStation VR headset isn't quite as high resolution as other headsets, you kind of lose some of that magic. You know, some of the graphics when you right. when you put in headset on. But then, wait, but at the same time, um, what can you really expect from you know a console? Yeah. You know, consoles are never you know at the top end of of um, gaming. If you want that high end kind of feel you go for a pc i do think sports games in vr are fascinating especially the ones where it's just a single player so like a tiger woods golf in Mm -hmm. vr would be yeah game changing yeah um and and it'll probably happen yeah you know or even like doesn't have to be games like experience they've got you know could you could you experience what it was like to to be on the pitch with your favourite team in their most recent game. Yeah, and know. to me, um, I was watching the um, Arizona Cardinals TV programme and yeah, their, yeah. their quarterback uses VR to yeah. watch game film so that he can like basically relive situations. I was a bit cynical in... about that. Bit. I was a bit. That, that bit was like <laughs> slotted into the programme and Carson's there and he's like, yeah, it really helps me to make decisions. And I was yeah. like, okay, I, I can you know, I can see the branding on that device. Yeah. And, <laughs> but you can see, how, but it's a good example of how it would work because that hit, at that moment, first of all, he can't practice without taking the risk of getting 
smashed yeah. by a 300 pound guy um and it's all about constantly repeating the process mm. of looking around and making decisions and then acting on those decisions so yeah you can completely see how that would be yeah i just think it's genuinely interesting because for people like us who um where american football is basically impossible game to to play in the uk um it's very very niche uh to be able to sort of ver- put that into virtual yeah. reality would be hugely compelling so mm-hmm. if you could see yeah. a, a version of football manager where you just in walk VR, up and down the, the sideline, yeah, go home, put a suit you on, know, um, you know, have dinner with your spouse, <laughs> uh, maybe get invited to a dodgy meeting and um, say some, you know, things you shouldn't say and then lose your job. <laughs> you, know, you could uh, maybe think, overthinking that slightly too much. So um, to go back to the serious point you're yeah, making, Lewis, um, in a way, then what we're saying here is PlayStation VR is is the PlayStation to Oculus Rift's gaming PC sort of thing? Yeah. Is it so? We, so PlayStation VR will be, we expect, mass market. Mm-hmm. There'll sell loads of these things. There'll be loads of game support. Probably yeah. isn't quite the pinnacle of the experience that you might no. get from something like Oculus. But but I mean, even even with that, you know, if if you're that concerned with the um, the premium experience, you can opt to get the PlayStation Four Pro when it comes out next month you know that like that that's going to provide a, a higher quality vr experience than the standard playstation will right because it's much more powerful um but i mean xbox is rumored to have a vr head uh, well have vr support but not until project scorpio comes out uh in about a year <laughs> i forgot about scorpio <laughs> good old scorpio um yeah but the issue with that is that um well rumors suggest that the headset won't come bundled with the device much like playstation's one right. but they're not developing their own one. They're going to use something that's already out, which uh, to me suggests it's going to be the Oculus Rift. Yeah, you'd think so. It seems yeah. really weird when um, they've got like the HoloLens. I know, yeah. And like, you know, surely they can do something for console that mm. is way less uh, techy than the HoloLens. But then... And it, it could be really good. I'm just thinking about Microsoft's overall strategy, which yeah. they don't really want to be in hardware. No. And they want things to sort of measure things to match up if you know what i mean so they'd rather someone else was doing the hardware and people were in their world they want xbox actually to be kind of like a pc experience but that's just blended into your life Mm -hmm. so it sort of makes sense that they wouldn't go all out to make their own um in a way that sony will want you to use playstation vr and no other um device Mm -hmm. microsoft a bit more what do they say um brand agnostic in that sense it's quite happy for you to to be in its world i suppose and i think it, it makes a lot of sense because obviously you've got the uh, xbox play anywhere thing now so you can play your games across xbox one and pc uh we'll yeah. select games anyway and it syncs your progress etc so you know developers writing vr games for pc will be so much easier to port them to yeah. the xbox one if you're using the same hardware and it's just it means that people that have an oculus rift don't have to fork out for another headset yeah because if it's a straight fight between xbox and playstation they have to develop a, a VR headset right yeah. now. But I think it's a bit more subtle than that. I think Xbox is a way for Microsoft to have people using its software products. Yeah. And that's its kind of long-term mm-hmm. goal. They still must make quite a bit of money. Oh, yeah. The it's Xbox a huge cash cow for Hardware. Them. Which is why I th- figured if you did a decent VR headset, yeah. you'd, you'd make some money. You don't have to make hardware for everything, but it's, it's a good area for them. It's also one of the few things that people genuinely love that Microsoft mm. make. Yeah. And they have fans yeah. Really, really, you know, so it is. A, it's a. It is a slightly weird one because because a company that size, you would think they could basically reverse engineer the the PlayStation headset mm-hmm. and knock one out mm-hmm. in six months and just yeah. you know price it so it shifts. I mean, I, I think the Sony 
PlayStation uh, VR pricing is interesting because it's tiered in that way because you described all the things you have to add on, mm-hmm. but you still... The way it's described is it's whatever, 350 it's three, quid. 350 yeah, quid, yeah. Which, which is a lot of money, but it feels More affordable. affordable. Yeah. yeah, It helps that they've got the comparison of the perspective to the Vive and the Oculus. Yeah. yeah. I think like, they've played this brilliantly because, yeah. because all year long people have been saying, oh, that's interesting, Oculus is interesting, Vive's interesting, PlayStation VR's coming. And they've spent that time, I'm sure the headset itself was done months ago, but oh, it's yeah. making sure it's come out for the Christmas buying season at a relatively affordable price yeah. and there will be so many games available mm-hmm. for it. It just makes it makes Oculus look a bit tricky to use and expensive and yeah. I don't know where Vive is. I don't know, you tell me, Lewis, what, what's, your, what's your view of the market right now? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a bit confused about Oculus. Whereas I was originally a massive fan of Oculus, they've they've kind of confuse themselves a little bit because yeah. you've got you got 550 pound for the headset and now they've just announced their touch controllers uh which are their handheld controllers which are another 189 pounds i need think a killer pc to use it. and you need a yeah you need a high-end pc which is at least going to cost you six seven hundred pound um but then that brings it to essentially the same price as a htc vive right um but the rift still doesn't offer uh room scale movement right so you know, if if you're gonna if you're looking for the handheld controllers and all that kind of stuff as well, the Vive is probably the best option for you. But then again, PlayStation offers yeah. handheld controllers and basic movement for three hundred and fifty quid. And what's the game support like for the HTC and the Oculus? Um, <clears throat> Oculus loves an exclusive. They they've they've put a lot of money into uh, making you know some VR games exclusive to their platform. Maybe not indefinitely, but yeah. they would at least have an exclusivity period. Apart from the developers that have said that they're not going to make games for Oculus anymore. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from that drama. Because Oliver Lucky is a bell end. <laughs> <laughs> Strong. <laughs> Moving on from that. <laughs> but um, it's, 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 just, it's a little bit awkward because um, Oculus has Oculus Home, which is their, their app store, essentially, where you can find all the Oculus games. But then you can also find Oculus games on Steam alongside HTC Vive games. Yeah. But then you can't, with, as someone with a HTC Vive, go on the Oculus store and buy games on there because they yeah. won't work. It's just a bit... And that's because Oculus won't allow that to happen. Yeah, okay. well, Oculus says they're happy for it to happen. HTC says Oculus aren't happy for it to yeah. happen. It's just politics. Mm. Interesting. Okay, well, let's uh, close this off by going around the room and saying PlayStation or Naystation. Scott Carey. PlayStation, always. Lewis Painter. Always PlayStation. And Chris. Still never had a PlayStation, but... PlayStation. PlayStation. That's a big thumbs up for PlayStation. Okay, we'll take a short break for refreshments and then we'll be back in two seconds. Dreams. Dream, 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 dream. Scott Curry. I feel a disturbance in the force. What's that all about? That's real, real mixed messages going through there. Want to keep you on your toes? Um... To bring them together, to yeah. knit them together. Dream Force. Dream and Force. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, last week, the week before, I was over in San Francisco for Dream Force, which is by most measures the biggest tech conference on the planet. Um, 170,000 registered guests <laughs> is the figure that Salesforce give you. Um, but it's been running for about 14 years now, and this was my first one. But it's, by all measures, grown way beyond what it was originally set up to do, which was to bring together Salesforce customers and developers to chat shop, which is uh, software as a service, CRM software. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? There's there's an event to which 
hundreds of thousands of people are attending and it's all about Salesforce, which to most people is like it's it's the customer relationship management software. It's if they know of it at all, it's a thing they use at work to find email addresses or Yeah, to be completely honest, most people that I talk to about Salesforce don't even realise they use it. Like yeah. it's sales yeah. people, it's marketers. It's just something that they get in like inducted to when they join their job and it's like this is the software we use. Yeah. Um, this is where you find who to call or you follow up with your clients. But it, I mean, it, it's amazingly successful software. It's amazingly powerful. It fuels a lot of businesses. Yep. And Salesforce is still independent, right? It's not. Yeah, it's still independent. So Mark Benioff um, set it up uh, about 15 years ago um, when he left Oracle, I believe. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a huge B2B tech story in terms of how much they've grown. They are. Um, the biggest CRM vendor in the world now um, and they are basically starting to compete with Microsoft, SAP, yeah. Oracle in terms of um, sheer scale and that is just you know with one piece of software it's as opposed story. to lots of others so they they're yeah they're an impressive company in that sense. And you mentioned uh, Microsoft there, Microsoft made the recent purchase of LinkedIn Yes, uh, which again was I mean, there were a lot of rumours, you said this yourself, that they were interested in buying Salesforce. Salesforce is big enough to hold them off, essentially. Yeah. Um, And so LinkedIn was kind of, we think, the second choice for Microsoft in terms of just getting together all this data on professional people, which is a huge business. Salesforce are really bitter about losing it. Like like Benioff um, came out and he's been, um, he's accusing, well, he's saying that he might be um, trying to, get Microsoft in trouble with regulators um, because if they try and like close off all that LinkedIn data, um, then that would be uh, anti-competitive. He's saying um, there's definitely some sour grapes there. He said he bid more money, but um, that the bidding process was skewed towards Microsoft. Okay. So they wanted to buy LinkedIn. They made a huge bid for LinkedIn, um, actually more um, money. The problem with Salesforce, they don't have as much cash as someone like Microsoft. They've got a lot of stock. So um, LinkedIn decided to go with the cash. Um, I, I tend to do that. And now, yeah, and now um, the Salesforce are very heavily rumoured to be in the market to buy Twitter, um, which um, someone at at Dreamforce said to me was like going home with the second best looking girl at yeah. the dance. Not even the second best. That, <laughs> if you went for LinkedIn and then got Twitter, that is, yeah, yeah. So um, we're facing some blank looks across the yes. table. So I thought I'd jazz up this section. Yeah, well, right. I wanted to talk a little bit more. I about, love CRM, about... something or other. <laughs> no, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Dreamforce in itself because it has like great. This is the funny thing: is it's like it's when you go, it basically feels like it's not got much to do with CRM. Like they do talk about their products a lot, but also you've got people doing tons of networking. You've got tons of people doing business there, and you've got a huge rock concert on the Wednesday. You've got parties every night. The whole downtown area of San Francisco around the Moscone is basically gridlock traffic because Dreamforce just takes over. There's signs everywhere. Everyone's got their badges on. It feels like that corner of the city badges. is just there for Dreamforce. I'm going to um, throw some. I'm going to throw some words at you. Go on. Exciting words. I don't know what they mean, but I I, I gleaned them from the coverage from your coverage Good. of uh, Dreamforce. Einstein. So this is their move into artificial intelligence and machine learning, which is what everyone is trying to do at the moment. It's trying to basically give their customers like recommendations. So it's like 
this person opened their email, you should probably ping them another message now to like give them an offer yeah. um, and automating all those sort so of things. not the dog from Back to the Future then? Unfortunately not, they, but it has got a nice fluffy uh, cartoon avatar that looks like Albert Einstein, which was walking around... They had like a physical one walking around the dream park and lots of people were taking selfies with him. <laughs> this is how ridiculous Dreamforce is. There was also a big fluffy um, like cloud with uh, the word software with a big X through it. And people were taking, <laughs> people were taking <laughs> selfies with him as well. Amazing. And they've got another one called Astro and I don't really know what his story is. Uh, Quip. Quip was an acquisition that Salesforce made last year. Um, it is basically... Uh, like Dropbox Paper or something like Google Docs where you get your whole team live collaborating on documents. Um, Salesforce made £6 billion worth of acquisitions last year and that was one of them. Wow. They went on a big spending spree. Um, and then I've got Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and Lightning. Yeah, Thunder is their... I, this is like a test. It's their <laughs> IoT cloud. So Scott they're doing quite internet right of things. And then Lightning is their app development platform. So they do... A lot of things. So there's a lot going on there. And also, I believe, um, Bonio and The Hedge and uh, the other portly members of uh, U2 rocks up. Yeah, the Wednesday uh, night was really where it hit home how ridiculous Dreamforce can get to me. Because everyone talks about the concert. There's always a big concert on the Wednesday night. It was the Foo Fighters last year. It was the Killers the year before. These are all rumoured to be Benioff's favourite bands, which isn't surprising. There's a trend um, there, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and this year it was you too. And one thing you get with Dreamforce is you get the tech and the sales and all that, but you also get loads of philanthropy and giving back. It's a real Silicon Valley trend. It's like we give 1% back all the time. And Benioff is a big like exponent of RED, which is um, Bono's um, AIDS uh, foundation. Do a lot of research into that. And then he... Um, does a lot of other philanthropy on the side. So when you hire Bono for your concert, you know what you're going to get. You're not <laughs> just going to get where the streets have no name. Bono, play some songs. No, I want to heck to you about world debts. <laughs> so he opened his set. With, so firstly, it's in this huge venue in Daly City and it felt like a festival. Like There was snaking queues to get in. Bus pe- they were busing people in. I would have guessed there was like tens of thousands of people there. It was absolutely huge. And then... Bono comes on, plays a couple of like their newer songs. Everyone's like, okay, fine. Then he starts playing videos on the screen of Donald Trump's speeches and starts interrogating him live on stage, screaming at him. So you want to build a wall, Donald? Uh, to which the crowd lapped this up. Yeah. And then he's, he's playing to a fairly friendly audience. A friendly saying. captive audience yeah. there of, yeah. of of people who are fairly well off um, in the tech sector. Educated. Yeah. Not massive idiots (laughs) (laughs) um and then yeah so you get the songs but you also get some anti-trump speech and you get a lot of um pro red um and and sort of uh talking about san francisco being at the forefront of the AIDS crisis in the 80s and and you get all of that as as the single package and it's quite funny because the rest of the band members always look a bit awkward when bono starts doing this (laughs) (laughs) he'd always like shout about edge and then edge is just like oh just let me wear my hat and play my songs yeah yeah sounds bizarre it's odd it's genuinely quite a um disorientating experience and it's not cheap. Like, if you mm. pay for a full pass, it's about $2,000. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, let's uh, let, let's close it off by going around the room. Uh, Dreamforce or Scabby Horse? Uh, <laughs> Scott Carey. Dreamforce. Lewis Painter. Dreamforce. Chris Martin. Some kind of horse. <laughs> <laughs> Good. There was a bit too much consensus in this podcast so far. Well, thanks, guys, and thank you for listening to this edition, listener. Um, do get in touch and let us know your thoughts and opinions and to shake us down for cash. Uh, you can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We'll be back next week with more informed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. So until then, find us on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all those other podcasty places. Uh, and yes, uh, subscribe and review us and uh, tell your friends. Until then, from the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, say goodbye, guys. See you. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. <laughs>